Hello and welcome back to a special bonus episode of Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda, the podcast where we tell you about the smart stuff you need to know, but we also lean into the trash. (laughs) And it has been a while. It has been a while and we're so sorry. We really, really did intend to be back sooner than we are, Um, (laughs) but life has gotten the way. Life has gotten the way as it does and, you know, we love bringing you the content and the trash, the treasury and all the in-betweens, all our hills to die on, but sometimes things change. Yeah, it's like podcasting was very easy during 2020 Life is busier in 2021, but all of a second, it's kind of feeling very 2020 again. So we thought, okay, we need to get back in front of the mics. The whole of Australia is in lockdown. I know. there's a lot of TV shows that have happened since our break that we just need to talk about as well. That's true. And, you know, like we have absolutely loved creating Trash and Treasury. And, you know, during lockdown, when we got started, you know, we had so much spare time and mm. so much time to watch TV shows as well. And not only that, but, you know, babe, it was so, it's so fun creating content. Like, you know, to our listeners, you probably think we just come in here, we just talk a bit of trash and, you know, we talk about some topics, but actually like there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And Grace and I talk constantly about the topics and even during our break, We've noticed that we talk even less just because we've got less to be talking about. Um, and it's it's just been such a beautiful experience for our friendship. But, you know, instead of continuing a podcast where we can only sometimes be here and sometimes give you exactly what you're expecting and also to be reliable, um, you know, we thought we're going to just do this bonus debrief episode for Mm -hmm. you all with all of our topics that we need to cover because it's been a long break and we need to squeeze so much in. We just want to do this one big extended special for us at the moment because a lot has been happening. And, you know, as much as I absolutely adore and have referenced just the gist, Mm -hmm. I love that podcast, love Rosie Waterland, love Jacob Stanley. They are beautiful people. And they have a fantastic podcast, but I hate the weekly-ish thing that they have going, which is where sometimes they just randomly skip a week when they can't be bothered or when something's going on and they don't really tell anyone or why. And that's because life does get in the way. And, Mm. you know, we do seasons. And so if we can't commit to a 12-week season, we don't want to be letting people down every now and then during that 12-week season and also stressing ourselves out with editing. So... Unfortunately, what we are not going to be doing is bringing you a season four anytime soon. Um, And Grace, how about you go first with what's been happening with you since season three ended? Yeah, so like there's a lot happening in the world at large, but also in my personal life. Something you didn't mention apart from just like recording the content is editing the content. And like we've been so proud of ourselves for like the fact we can produce a podcast, but it's hours and hours a week of (laughs) editing it. And it's like totally fun. But yeah, I've got some stuff like just general life stuff, uh, you know, like work is busy. I've spent maybe the last, I want to say year, every Saturday trying to buy a house. 
And oh my god, I would finally, say longer. <laughs> I would say longer. <laughs> it was longer, yeah. It was about eighteen months. So like, um, we're going to be moving house soon, and there's just a lot of things. Okay, we need to pause. Okay, you've spent the last over twelve months, Grace. I think you're. I think you're downsizing that. Yeah, estimate I'm because you, minimizing. Like, it's you're minimizing months, yeah. your trauma, but that has been an experience, and I have been in this with you. You send me your house links that you have wanted to buy with your partner Andy for a long time, and you've imagined you know, yourself for all of them. You actually get really upset when we miss them as well because you've like picked your spare room. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> and, you know, you know, there were so many houses that were so, like, perfect. And, you know, you've been able to finally, you know, buy your dream place, you know, and it's it's such an amazing chapter for you guys. But, you know, it just mm. kind of brings back home, like, how hard it is to actually buy a house. I mean, I I moved regionally yeah. and and to be able to one day afford a home and, you know, I've lucky, I'm lucky and privileged to be able to have done so. But oh, the rentals, were, the prices were cheaper up here and I'm single and you're a couple, you know, both in, in pretty decent financial positions. And it is so hard with two yeah. people who are fully committed to buying a place outside the city. Like you're, you're not buying it in a Melbourne, you are buying it the outside of Melbourne. The outer burbs, yeah. The outer, outer burbs for your cottage core dream. No, it's true. But the fact we have bought, we are very privileged. Like it's not the fact that you and I have both bought a house. I almost feel like bad talking about it on the podcast because that's actually not going to be the typical experience. And they're saying people under 40 now like can't. Absolutely. But but I mean, most people aren't even in our positions you know, mm. and so even exactly. in our positions where, you know, I'm a single person and I and I live regionally, so the prices are not comparable. They're completely well, different. Well, they've and gotten it, a lot higher. They've gotten, they've gotten a lot higher in the last couple of years. But, you know, even back when I, when I was looking, it was completely different price points. Um, but with two people working, you know, houses are insane. I mean, the property market has always been insane, but it's very depressing. I, f- I think it's quite demoralizing and, and I've wanted you to bring it up on the podcast multiple mm. times. And I've been like, no, too traumatizing. Like, don't want to talk about it. Yeah, because you just couldn't talk about it. Yeah, because it w- it had consumed your entire life outside the pod and work pretty much was thinking about houses, thinking about, you know, going to the bank, looking at different um, inspections and then during the lockdowns not being able to go to those inspections. and We put a lot of offers in as well. So when you've got an offer in, you're like imagining what if you get it and then you don't. And like one of the really big issues is just the underquoting. Yes, you need to talk about this. Well, yeah, they're supposed to have done legislation to prevent this, but it's definitely still happening where things are just listed for like $200,000 less than they're going to sell. And you can kind of tell, like we looked for so long, we really did know the market in the suburbs we were looking. And we could just tell so many rooms, it's worth this, it's this size block. So let's let's just talk about this. $200,000 is an extravagant amount of money. Mm. And that is not just like getting an extra little bit on your down payment you know that's so much money and for me regionally 
that's your whole house. <laughs> like, that's yeah. basically my whole house, you know, yeah. and, you know, and for you, that was just a margin. It, that is ridiculous. How are people not getting in trouble for this? And how are people supposed to know their margins? You know, if you're looking mm. to buy a house and you haven't gone through your hell yet, you haven't gone through the yeah, exactly. bank process, <laughs> the looking process to know where you actually stand, which is that you need to offer so much more than their largest offer to actually even have an opportunity at a renovation project. <laughs> yeah. As in, and, you know, can we just use one really fun example um, of a renovation project, which was that you would have to knock down um, three of the four buildings in your house for it yeah. to be legal. <laughs> And that was an amazing house, formerly owned by Chris and Mari's nursery. Chris and Mari. Um, <laughs> hello, hello, it's Chris and Mari for anyone playing at home. It was a beautiful house, but it was like very illegally renovated. And yes, it would have cost probably half a million dollars in renovations. And all yep. of this came to light after they'd listed it. So it was valued exactly. at, I think, nine either 800 to 900, somewhere around that. But then they Mm -hmm. realised the extent of the renovations it needed. So you were like, okay, surely that lowers the value. And, yeah, you were like, okay, it's going to – it's an absolute shit show. It's got all these legal issues. You know, have to talk to the council every day for the next five years. We're going to have to talk to the council every day. Also, yeah, nobody can be asked with that. And we can do a lot of the work ourselves. And we're also happy to live in a shoebox if we get our cottage call life, um, you know, and get chickens and stuff. And, you know, you were happy with all of that and thinking you might be with an inn because nobody else could be bothered with the chaos but still be paying – such a large amount of money for that and then to be completely sideswiped over and above that is just insane like the property market it's insane and there has been a lot of talk now just about how gen z Mm. and a lot of millennials are just not even trying to buy anymore like yeah. It's not even a goal. We're moving to European values, looking at stock markets and things like that, or rent vesting, where people are investing regionally, not actually living there and renting them out. I mean, a lot of people have done that with Bendigo. Yeah, that used to be my goal, rent vesting. Um, but then with COVID, you know, we got a big deposit and a lot of people are doing tree changes, like what mm. you wanted to maybe do. And, and, then you were like, oh, well, if I don't have to travel five days a week, you know, Mm. that actually makes living, you know, beyond Melbourne, just beyond Melbourne doable because you only have to travel a lengthy amount, you know, two or three times a week when you're at the office full time. But it is pushing up the prices and it It is is. really competitive. So, yeah, we've bought a house. Um, It's not settled yet, so I still feel like I'm holding my breath a little bit. Okay. Well, we need to pause for a cheers. I'm sure you've got a wine in hand. I do. I do. Okay. Cheers, babe. Congratulations. I'm going to cheers the microphone. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's huge. It's huge and you've got a lot in front of you. You've got a lot to do with moving. It is huge. So life is busy. So that's what's been going on with me. What's been going on with you? So, I mean... Throughout lockdown, I was working full time. I mean, there there was a time where it was week on at work and week off work from home. But uh, for the majority, I have been still working full time. The difference is that the weekends are now booking up because people are making up for lost time. 
And exactly. I cannot deal with the amount of social events that I have going on. And you're an extrovert. I feel the same way, but I'm not surprised. But I'm surprised you feel that way. Yeah, no, I I can't deal with it. Like it's actually yeah. just it's so much. It's a big adjustment. <laughs> it's a big adjustment and I and I really like having time to myself as well because I do, yeah. I do I do work every day and um of the week and even when the lockdowns were on, I was still getting a lot of social needs met by going to work, which a lot of people weren't. So, look, I can acknowledge that. Um, but, yeah, recently um, I've also, you know, as I've, I've sort of mentioned in the podcast a few times that um, over the last couple of years a lot of bad things have happened to my family. Mm. So I've lost my uncle from melanoma. I then lost my other uncle from melanoma. The first on- uncle I lost was basically a second dad to me. Mm. So, you know, um, he raised me. He, he helped raise me. I mean, I lived with him for over 14 years mm-hmm. uh, alongside my grandma, who then after my other uncle passed of also melanoma four months after my first uncle passed, my grandma then passed away just before the pandemic started last year in 2020. So it's been rough and it's also been rough for my dad, who is mm. the last remaining brother of the Hetherington clan on my dad's side. It's been rough, you know. I I think it's important to talk about how rough life can be, um, mm. you know, and it's been really hard for me. I mean, in lockdown, um, I liked having some time to myself because I felt like I was just running a million miles an hour forever. Um, mm. But it also kind of gave me time to reflect and that reflection kind of had some detrimental effects on my mental health as well it wasn't the it wasn't the lockdown it was the fact that I got time to stop to process things and to reflect and and Mm. I really went downhill and I had and I had some a bad time and even Mm. during the podcast you know um through recording I was going through a, a bad period of mental health and um I loved recording the podcast. Absolutely mm. loved it. It was a fantastic distraction for me. But you know that was a that was a tough period. So Dad's obviously you know had to struggle with that in his own way as well. But you know then things improved. You know we sort of got back to life, back to normal life. We were catching up more often, and um, you know things sort of started to get back to a semblance of normal. I'm you know doing great with my mental health you know, for at least the last kind of eight months to 10 months. I've, I've been really great. And, mm. you know, I'm just going to be honest about the fact that medication did help me, but also psychology. I think people mm-hmm. should see psychologists. There shouldn't be such a stigma about it. Do it. Like, you know, you can talk to your friends, but your friends aren't always going to have the right advice, you know, mm-hmm. and it's important to talk to everybody, but sometimes just getting an independent person to just bloody – talk talk it out with and just you know understand you is so helpful and I love my psychologist I have a great relationship with her and um you know it's just helped me immensely grow Mm. and also get past all the trauma that's happened I agree with all of that as well um and I think I don't know if psychologists are stigmatized, but medication is certainly stigmatized. And it, it is. actually is so good. Like, <laughs> it's so I've good. had a similar experience a bit before you, and medication made 
such a big difference and just made me feel like myself again. And people don't talk about it like that in pop culture. No. Like, and I, I don't th- want to nub my feelings. I want to feel my feelings. It's like, well, your feelings are probably not really your usual feelings. They're like That's probably right. dysfunctional. And like, it's not I- the first port of call and like your doctor won't do it willy-nilly. That's right. And like I just didn't understand that. I mean, even I had some stigma about it, not for other people for myself like you kind of think do I really like am I really it's a terrible thought to have but am I really that bad like do I really need medication like you know you kind of just think Mm. like you kind of think like that I mean you kind of in this denial or whatever but um also you know first of all disclaimer we're not practitioners you know get get your own advice but um you know sometimes medication can be over prescribed and and different medications are very different I'm not going to say what I take or anything because I don't want to you know, um, encourage or discourage anything. But Mm. um, for me, I've had no side effects and I don't feel numb. I think that's the difference is like people are, uh, people say that if you take medication, you f- you'll feel numb. And Where did I was that scared- come from? Maybe some bad 90s antidepressants that have just like, well, like ingrained s- in pop culture because I, I think- agree. I think strong drugs, Grace. I think things mm. like, um, you know, really um, popular drugs perhaps couple of decades ago or even exactly. even more recent Longer, um yeah. yeah or for um other other illnesses that do require a stronger medication um in pop culture I think that that's what we often see and that can sometimes be true you know that can sometimes be true that people do feel a bit a bit vacant and a bit out of it um it just depends on how it reacts with you but you know you what personally. else makes you feel vacant and out of it mental health depression issues. <laughs> yes. mental health issues <laughs> And exactly. It turns out crying every day isn't normal. That's right. And then you're like, oh, hang on, I cry all the time and I hate everything. Oh, I'm so and, angry at everyone all the and time. Like, but like then, with this, I think since yeah, taking it, I just I feel exactly the same as myself. I just don't cry every day. Yeah. And that's so huge. And if there's one thing, I mean, I know this is definitely we're talking a lot more candidly than we usually do because this, you know, this is. This is our episode before we go on a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, um, this is our last hurrah for a while. <laughs> it's our last hurrah for just a little while. You're not gonna. It's not gonna be the last of us. We're go- we're gonna be back in some way. We just don't know how we're going to do that yet, and um, we just don't have the time right now. <laughs> but mm. what's been happening most recently for me is that Dad has given me a scare now, and mm. you know, with all that trauma being out in the open for people to understand what's going on, um, you know dad's you know it's very hard to think about your parents you know and dad's not even very old um but he's given me a few scares lately and we're getting lots of tests done and um I'm I've decided that it's uh, that he needs to move closer to me because he lives he still lives in Melbourne um mm. and since my uncle and grandma have passed who lived with him it's time to get him up closer and I need to keep an eye on him I need to be able to check in more and keep an eye on things and depending on you know certain results that we're going to get who knows what the future is going to hold but either way I am busy is an understatement like I am flat freaking out and the reason that I pushed Grace to record today is because um we're getting dad's results tomorrow and I don't know mm. whether those results are going to be what I expect or what I don't expect and I don't 
you know, I don't want to have to put, you know, recording our little bonus episode off for any longer because I just want to do it for all of you beautiful fans who have listened Mm. and cared for us and encouraged us and also just given us the coolest comments and appreciation for our topics. And people have been asking me, Kim, when are you coming back? When are you going to recap this? Or when are you going to talk about that? And I love that. I love that our podcast has done that for people. And Mm. I'm so proud of what we've achieved. I'm so proud of this podcast. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of me. I'm through everything. Me too. This has been such a beautiful beacon of like fun, fun and joy. And it's so exciting to get our microphones back out and it is. have our recap episode debrief. <laughs> Even though we couldn't remember and how to plug them in. <laughs> no, but like it's so fun already talking with you and I know. sharing this with our listeners. And I think I speak on behalf of our listeners when I say how proud I am of you and like what a good daughter mm. you are for what you're doing for your dad. Like what adult stuff like that you're, you know basically you know, like running the family at 29 it's it sucks you know it sucks that I'm 29 I have to do this but you just you do what you got to do and I'm not going to cry I'm not going to cry it's just it is what it is well you can't because of your medication <laughs> I can't I don't cry anymore but <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie I still cry but you can less, still cry. less that's often actually yeah you, you can, can still cry, cry. yeah I'm not just, just like not this dry rag. Three times a yeah. day anymore. No, but um, it sucks. It sucks. Life sucks sometimes. But you know what? Waiting for something to happen and just having something in the back of your mind for a long time, which I have, um, yeah. I feel like a thousand times better having momentum. Mm-hmm. getting getting dad up here clearing out the house so I'm moving him up here and my uncle was a collector and those who are listening to the podcast who know me and and have mm-hmm. known my uncle that's an understatement like it is a full labyrinth of mm-hmm. stuff that I am trying to sell on marketplace and job. marketplace is like a wild west and so many people message you and it is so annoying and people are so annoying and you just want to sell your shit and you just want people to take it because I just don't want it to go to landfill, but I just mm. want them to bloody pick it up and not waste my time. But wow. that's what's going on with me. And so I hope that all of you um, understand that this is why we just have to do um, our, our little break. We're going to be back at some point because I've loved this process and, and I really want to keep going. It you know, But maybe we'll reinvent the wheel. Maybe we'll do something a little a little different for our next podcast, Grace. You know, we Maybe. might do a trash and treasury extension or we might, you know, do something different, one of our other ideas that we've had brewing. Maybe, but for now, for the next hour, we're going to do all of the segments that we know you know and love. Um, that's the context for why we've been on break. I think this is officially <laughs> the longest ever introduction Intro we've done that we've ever getting to, to Treasury. But it was probably the most personal context. segment that you'll ever get. But yeah. um, we felt we felt it was necessary. So yeah, um, it's our last hurrah. We can just be hashtag authentic. Hashtag authentic. Yeah, that's but right. Why don't we get into Treasury? Let's do it. So the most recent 
and relevant topic. And I have had numerous requests for us to do a whole episode on this. And that was the original plan, um, Mm -hmm. you know, prior to everything that we spoke about in the intro. Um, Britney Spears. Britney. Hashtag free Britney. Mm. Holy shit. Next level. It has happened. Britney spoke out. She spoke out in court and she spoke about her conservatorship. Um, In episode one of season two, we spoke about hashtag free Britney Mm -hmm. and the complexities at play with her conservatorship and um, all the people who have rallied around her to try and get her freed from this conservatorship. But what happened recently was she finally got her day in court where she was able to speak, which I don't even know how she got, to be honest, because she's had so many people making her not be able to make her own filings, not have her own proper lawyer who yes. is giving her the correct legal advice. And she's, But she yeah. just finally pursued hard enough that she was able to get this day in court and speak and we were, when I say we, I mean, you know, we as people who believed that she shouldn't be in this conservatorship anymore, but also the Free Britney movement um, and how much traction it was taking were right, but then it went beyond that. You know, Britney, what Britney said was so far beyond what we could have even imagined. Um, Mm. she, She spoke in court about the fact that her conservatorship means that when she goes to her doctor, she has a marina that she can't even have removed um, because her some, her conservatorship person would ha- have to sign off on that. She wants to get pregnant. She can't. So it's basically state-sanctioned sterilization is what she said mm. um, and that it's abusive, that all of her family should pay, that people should be in jail. She said that she wants to marry her partner, that, you know, she can't do anything and that she has had so much psycho evaluation, so many things done against her will and she just wanted to speak. Yeah, and there is a live being shot on it but it definitely, you know, isn't a victory yet. There's been a couple of positive steps, her Mm -hmm. being able to speak and, you know, the difficulties she's had with getting such bad legal advice. She finally has been allowed to have her own lawyer. But the judge still, even in the most recent hearing where they gave her her own lawyer, he still refuses to remove her dad from the conservatorship. And she is just saying at her most recent hearing, okay, like I know you're going to need more time to decide to get rid of the conservatorship, but in the meantime... I want my dad off it and you can just keep Jodie Montgomery, the other person on it and just have her as the only person like, please take my dad off. Like my dad is abusive. My dad should be in jail. Like she's saying all this stuff and the judge said no. And so her dad's still on it. But she has her own lawyer. So hopefully maybe she'll get out of it. What's happening to her is just a real, like the fact that she was able to speak out was just this huge relief but also just this epic sadness that everything that everyone has been thinking wasn't incorrect like I sort of thought that perhaps there might be something that would have come out of the woodwork that said no this is the real reason you know there's a reason this has been sealed for so long or this is you know this is the real thing this is what's going on the thing is there is just no way to justify it 
And, you know, we were saying in our last time we talked about this, you know, people are saying after her children she'd had postnatal depression, so maybe she needed this conservatorship. And it's like postnatal depression is very common. Um, anxiety and depression are like the most common mental health issues we've already talked about at this episode. And like postnatal depression is really common. You're not going to put every single woman with postnatal depression on a conservatorship. So that's right. That can't justify this and nothing can justify this. It's such ableism and it's, yeah, it's just completely not okay. It's so true. And, um, you know, that whole conversation about, um, you know, sort of trying to justify it or sort of think surely that there's a reason for people to be intervening in this way. Mm. It's like actually if we take even a further step back to think, well, how unwell does someone need to be? And Brittany does not tick many, many of those boxes and how it's managed to go this far is just, yeah, it's, it's upsetting and it's, it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. And even to check myself, like I actually went back and listened to our episode today um, just in preparation for this one um, when we did Free Britney and I thought, you know, I'm sort of, I was being devil's advocate because there was a lot of public discourse and also lots of podcasts Mm. I was listening to that um, had a lot of these opinions. But, you know, I kind of had my um, guard up as well. I was sort of like, is this really happening? You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So I sort of thought, are people reading too much into this? I'm like, you know, surely the court didn't like make this really long thing. Mm. And surely there is some oversight. Surely people actually oversee this stuff because that's just what I thought would be happening. I didn't think that this kind of abuse of power could be occurring. Mm. I, I sort of, that's just my sense of natural justice I I I just I find it hard to believe that these these sorts of sanctions could be in place without really valid reason I've never heard of a situation like Britney's like I just Mm -hmm. obviously because we don't often you know in society just generally we don't deal with people who are so wealthy who are also in conservatorships like that's the thing and I think that when a lot of people are in conservatorships they're just not famous pop stars and that's why we don't talk about it and so she's bringing to light things that are happening to lots and lots of people because of ableism and I also think back to our point where we're just having quite like a frank conversation in the intro about mental health yeah this conservatorship thing sets such a dangerous precedent for when it's like no you shouldn't feel stigmatized to come forward about how you're feeling, but then we'll lock you up for 20 years. That's right. And I think that what's happening right now is a reckoning um, because it is so high profile and the only positive out of Brittany's horrible experience is that I think this is bringing such an important issue of ableist abuse to the forefront. Exactly. This is a moment in time. This is huge. This is not Me Too movement. This is the next thing that's going to happen. I'm calling it this is the like kind of disability advocate ableism abuse reckoning that we're going to have across the world. I'm just calling it. I think that that's what's going to happen. Mm. There's going to be an overhaul of the legal system. I sincerely, sincerely hope. I hope as well, but I'm less optimistic than you. Look, I just hope. I hope, Grace. I really hope. I've listened to a podcast that my mother 
I know that we should wait for recommendations, but it's super relevant to Brittany. I listened to an eight-part podcast series called Pieces of Brittany. It's just oh, been... I've heard about this, yeah. It's only just been released, like, the start of July. And um, it's an it's like, it wasn't a week by week. It just dropped all at the same time, just eight episodes. And it goes through all of Brittany's life. And, yeah, it's really good. It, it gives you a really good snapshot of what happened up until now as well, like through the last 13 years, which a lot of people remember Brittany way back when, her breakdown and now. But then there's 13 years in the middle. And so it's a really good um, insight into that. So if you're interested, have a look at that one. Perez Hilton talked about professionalism and said if Brittany was a professional, she would have pulled it off no matter what. Speaking of professionalism, when is it professional to publicly bash someone who's going through a hard time? Leave Brittany alone! Oof, all right. Well, that's free Brittany. That's Anything free Brittany. else for Treasury? <laughs> so we've just got um, a little surprise for you. You don't know this is coming. But um, so you might recall, Grace, our listeners won't recall this because we never oh, published God. the episode. It's not the uh, conspiracies, is it? No. What What else did we to... not publish, Grace, that we tried to record, that we tried to make interesting? Oh, superannuation. <laughs> superannuation. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners, Grace and I recorded two episodes separately on superannuation and it was so boring um, that mm. we never actually published the episodes. There was a couple of really funny moments within the episodes um, because Grace was like, it's really important for people to know about super and all that sort of stuff. But we never published it because it was just so dry and um, we, just could, we just couldn't do it. We, couldn't, we, could, we didn't have the, any way to make it interesting enough. It was just it was so mm-hmm. dry and so boring. But I was having a conversation at work and it actually got a whole office conversation started um, wow. and it got quite heated, not heated in a, in a really bad way, but everyone had really different opinions and it was really, really interesting. And um, so a friend of mine who listens to the pod, um, we were talking about super and I can't remember mm-hmm. how it came up, but we were talking about um I think maybe we're talking about dad or something, you know, we're talking about superannuation or something. And um, it got brought up that, you know, when people are married or when they're partnered or whatever and they separate and then you split the super and all that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. that sort of topic got brought up and um, uh, my friend couldn't understand why people did that. So I think her words were exactly... Oh my god! I would never do that. I would never steal someone else's super. <gasps> and wow. yeah, and we were just like, oh well, that's really an interesting point. Um, but usually, it's because of people not working for a number of years because of often, oftentimes, women having children, um, and you know, oftentimes in a heteronormative situation, a man making more money than a woman and and what's really bad is that they government super contributions and employer super contributions are not made on parental leave 
even though you're getting paid by your same employer for your parental leave, they just yeah. stop paying super because all of a sudden you're not going to need a retirement savings mm. anymore. Yeah. And so we had this really interesting conversation. Like, you know, we were sort of just like just educating each other, you know, just having a really mm. honest conversation. And then she said, yeah, but it would be like if I had kids, it would be my choice to stay home. I would never steal someone else's super. That's what they did. They earned that money. I would never steal that wow. from them. And then someone oh, else, then someone, funny. but then someone else was like, what happens if they cheated on you? What happens if they dogged you? And then they were just like, oh, well, yeah, maybe then. But then she's like, no, no, no. Even then, I just, I don't feel like I could take someone's super. That's ridiculous. That is so unfair. And then we had this really long conversation and we're like, okay, let's let's try and break this down because we were kind of just thinking you're a woman in a relationship and whether or not um these these people have children or not is neither here nor there it was just a really interesting discussion and I think it's a lot of opinions that people have and um I think eventually we swayed her a bit, but I, she's still on the fence. And 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 mm. I think I used to have this opinion, like, no, I would never steal somebody's super. But that's the key word, stealing. And we were like, no, but it's not stealing. It's like you're contributing to the household by rearing the children. And also yeah. some, and also, like, there's a societal, um, uh, there's other societal issues in play, which is like that women's industries get paid less. And men's industries get paid more, which is almost always the reason that women take the time off in addition to that's what usually happens because women rear the children. I don't know. I don't know if that is the reason. Like I would argue if you look at the data of in partnerships where the women earns more, she would still be the one taking the time off. I think it's because both. It's I think very, it's both. very rare that men take the time off. It's about 2%. It's very low. I know, but now. But, and, gen- but- and pay gap is not, it's not skewed 2%. No, I know. And I know it's mostly women who take the time off. And, and to be honest, Jesus Christ, if I was in a partnership and I was making more money than my male partner, I would still be wanting to take time off because I've just had a baby. And, you know, well, yeah. if I was breastfeeding, I mean, Jesus Christ. And That's also where it's like, is it really a choice that you biologically have the womb and we need society to not collapse? You also have the breasts and you also have the physical damage if you gave birth. Like it's mm. hard. And I mean, I know that people can bounce back and people do go to work and things. But there, I mean, there are physical difficulties with having a baby. But also in terms of that, it's like the societal pressure for women to take time off and also how we've been built as women. And anyway, so we were trying to explain all of this and sort of, you know, think of Mm. lots of different examples and also like, okay, well, if you don't have kids, you know, maybe you contributed in other ways, like you bought all the furniture or you did all the cleaning and you did all the things and like he didn't do as many of those things or, or whatever. But either way, you've built a life together, you know, you've bought food together, you've done things, you know, like, it's kind of like an equitable split of your assets. And she was just like, no, I would never steal someone's super. Like, it just feels so greedy. Like, even if you did do the wrong thing by me, I don't think I would ever steal someone's super. And then we sort of got to a point where she sort of understood and she's like, oh, well, I guess it's all just about kids. And and it's like, well, it often is. It, of, it often mm. is. And that's the main issue. But there are a few other issues at play. 
Mm-hmm. But I think it was this like perfect. And then you know what she said to me? She mm-hmm. said, you guys should do a treasury on this. Well, there you go. And I was just like, babe, we've done it twice, but we never, we never ever published it. So in a, in mm. a, in a succinct, because Grace, you will probably be the best person to just summarize for our listeners a few key points. Yes. Look, thank you for the opportunity to get superannuation <laughs> yes. on the pod. <laughs> I'm glad first we finally did first, it. <laughs> we're doing it. I feel really sorry for your friend. I don't know where she got those messages from. I know. Like, it's kind of a bit of a surreal joy colluding with the patriarchy kind of thing. And we're going to get to Handmaid's Tale later this episode. But like, oh, it's yeah. quite sad that she thinks that. Um, but I'm glad you like moved her a bit on the needle. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it is a passion of mine that women need super and or shares because like your money today will be worth a lot more in the future and you will not be able to survive in your old age without money that's accruing at, in shares. So your super is shares. Your super company is investing in shares, but you can also personally invest in shares. You can also personally contribute to super if you want to. Um, through your and, wages, right? Yeah. Through, through salary sacrifice. Yeah, through salary sacrifice or just direct debit. You could just put money in it. Mm-hmm. Um, at various times, governments have had incentives like the – Rudd Gillard government, if you put in 500, they put in 500. I don't know what they have now. There was one, if you put your money in super to buy a house, um, yeah, we considered right. that. But then if you don't buy a house, it's stuck in your super and we didn't end up doing it. But you could seek independent financial advice if that's a good option for you. Mm-hmm. And like you have to care about your super. It's not stealing to have equitable division of like the household labour. Something actually, people have um, made this comment a lot in the media, but I think it's worth repeating. And it's that actually women over 50 are the fastest group of growing people experiencing homelessness, the fastest growing cohort of people experiencing homelessness. Oh, God. I didn't know that. Yes. And superannuation has a lot to do with it because there is a really big discrepancy in people's superannuation balances because of the fact superannuation is tied to paid work and doesn't take into account all the other ways that women might have contributed. And as you just said, it's not always about having kids, but it often is. And the Mm -hmm. gender pay gap, that's an important point, but it's broader than that. But I don't know. I just would say to your friend, like, about the stealing someone's super, that's like a really, I don't know, strange way to look at it. Like um, she's clearly, I don't know, must have heard that comment from a man, surely. Or she just needs her feminist awakening. And I'm glad that you and your friends like (laughs) talked to her and you moved her a little bit along the line. You know, the more aware we can be of our money and why it's not stealing, you know. And Mm. I would hate to, I I would, what, what I would want from this conversation is just for my friend, but also anyone else listening for people to just feel like, you know, if they are separating or something from somebody and, you know, they have less assets or they have less to their name, there could be a few reasons why. And it's not stealing. It's actually just splitting and sharing Mm. the lives that you've created together. Sharing. That is a much better word for it. Sharing. It's not stealing it's sharing and it's also kind of, um, you know, it, it definitely kids do affect 
the way that this can go. And um, I know that sometimes like separations can be ugly, but you know, if you ever find yourself in a situation like that, or you just want to educate yourself more, just maybe look into it a bit more. And, and it's, it's not as clean cut as one person has money, the other person doesn't. So therefore you're taking their money. Like yeah. it's very different. And um, yeah, we just want women to be informed and, you know, this hopefully is the future, you know, that people do have a more equitable division of their assets and super contributions. Because I think there's like two separate things as well. Like one is like the broader issues that are disproportionately going to affect women and need systemic changes and, you know, policy changes. But then there is also that whole situation shouldn't overwhelm you from thinking about it at all and there are still individual actions we can also take without saying that it's all our fault we just fight on both fronts and also if you know you are somebody who hasn't had kids yet but maybe you plan on having kids you know perhaps think about when you do take that time off that you aren't having any contributions for however much time uh whichever parent decides to take Mm. that time off and um you know, perhaps a conversation between partners about, um, you know, while I take the time off, um, you know, maybe we should talk about um, putting extra super into my super. Absolutely. Yep. You know, think about it. Think about it. Take care of it. And babe, I'm glad we finally got to talk about super in this pod. Me too. (laughs) And it's not stealing (laughs) to want financial equity and yeah good chat good chat good chat good chat all right well we've talked enough in treasury we need to get into some trash or i'm gonna die (laughs) yeah there's so much trash that's been happening since we've been on break so let's get into trash all right all right so to begin our final treasury for a while We are bringing up maths. And Mm. this is not the only topic we will be covering. We will also be covering Mare of Easttown and The Handmaid's Tale. Epic. Epic (laughs) set of topics right there. (laughs) That's right. And, I mean, Brittany was the hugest treasury that we needed to introduce, but maths is definitely the biggest trash we need to introduce because there has been some developments. And the biggest development is that Bryce and Melissa, aka the most toxic couple in Australia right now, um, are pregnant with twins. And no, it's Mm. not an episode of Home and Away. It's real life. And um, how on earth they are still together is beyond me but they've stayed together they're now pregnant with twins they're engaged they're you know love bombing hard and um yeah it's um it the discourse has changed a little bit as well just because now that there are babies involved I've Mm. noticed because there was a real sense of Melissa run away Melissa quick get out of it Melissa but now that there's babies there mm. always were babies we just didn't know it they weren't always babies well they were pregnant before the show was finished airing they yeah, were definitely, but that- they were pregnant here. What I think is really sad about this is she was already pregnant when all of that social media run Melissa run commenting was happening. Yeah. Which it, is really hard. That would have actually been 
very tough. However, however, you know, when it finished airing, obviously the show had been finished for some time. So they had still stayed together during that time and there was lots of commentary during the show, don't forget, not just at the end of the show. There was commentary mm. during the show and um, Melissa found out she was pregnant about four weeks into her pregnancy. Um, I don't know, I'm just trying to do the math on that. But um, either way, it would have been devastating. It would have been devastating for her because, you know, Australia wants to protect Melissa and um, but now that, you know, we understand that she's locked in, she's locked in, she's got babies coming. Um, she doesn't have to be locked in. People can separate with kids and co-parent. But I think the point is everyone kind of wants the best for them now and just like I they think seem that- happy and we hope they are. I hope so, and and I hope he does the right thing by her. I hope that this relationship does work for them and that it can be one that they work on um, and perhaps get some counselling in the future um, if further issues come up. Um, hopefully Melissa can, you know, find her voice properly and mm. not just in the public discourse um, but, you know, in private. With Bryce, I hope that she can find her voice and speak up for herself and her boundaries. Um, yeah. I, Something I, I was thinking about is like mm-hmm. Bryce clearly went on the show to become famous and Melissa went on the show to find love and have a husband and have babies. And in their new idea announcement of their engagement and pregnancy, they both have got what they want mm. in two different ways. They're now in this relationship and I think it's really interesting because I spoke about previously, um, you know, that it's not always the best thing to like constantly tell someone to leave somebody else. It's like, definitely because not it isolates. helpful at all. <laughs> it Look, will, in having- if anything, they will rebel against that and be like, everyone's against us, we just have each other, which definitely is what happened with And that's and oftentimes a strategy used by the abuser to isolate yeah. uh their partner, often often women, but sometimes not. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes it is, it is the right thing to do to tell somebody to leave, you know, but you can only do it so much and, and you can try a couple of times. If they're not listening, you've got to just pick your battles and you've got to just really only uh, speak up when you feel you really need to, but mainly just be there to support them. And I think that what we're seeing now is that okay they're not just in a relationship they're now having a family and we know that of course you can leave of course you can leave if you have a family and if you have babies it's not it's not the end you know you don't have to just be with this person forever but unfortunately she's now tied to this person forever with babies and it's going to be much more difficult to do so much more complicated and I think that we just have to remember that yeah criticizing them consistently is just not going to help exactly and that's the point you know the thing is yeah as you said while they are pregnant they're going through such a stressful time they really don't need Australia's feedback on their relationship right now but in terms of feedback on their relationship I have a few things to say okay (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know if you know this, but they have a podcast, Grace. I do. I listened to one episode. Oh, which episode? Melissa was so uncomfortable the first episode. It was oh, obviously I Bryce's idea. I have that one. 
That's I haven't why listened I say, to that like, first episode. Bryce wants to be famous. No, it was, it was, she didn't want to be there. She was like a trooper. She's really good when she has to be, but she didn't want to be there. No, 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 no. And um, she's doing it for Bryce. And look, Bryce's career is down the toilet because he is, you know, you know, he's now just this douchebag. But um, I have to say that the podcast is called What Happens After. And I didn't, mm. like, out of spite, didn't even want to download it or give them a listen to, like, validate their ridiculousness. But, um, I did listen to the final episode after the pregnancy announcement. Um, oh, very recently. Yeah. And, um, oh, I was giggling. Like, I was just gagging as well. Like, it was so unbelievably funny, but not because they were trying to be funny. Like, it was Aww. just horrific. Like, it was just so bad. And also, like, it was very cringeworthy. And Melissa, Melissa spoke really well. So maybe in the first Melissa episode. Melissa is she, really well spoken. She always is. Even on the show she was. In the last episode, she was quite well spoken. She felt she seemed quite confident in the episode. So maybe she grew a bit of confidence over the recording process, just as we have. Like, I mean, it's very nerve wracking to, to record first. But, you know, as she was at the last episode of the season, um, you know, she seemed a bit more comfortable but um there were things like Bryce was telling her like telling the the public about um his proposal and um he was like oh yeah you know and I got this ring for Melissa and it was just so Melissa and then Melissa was like yes yes and I never thought it was a ring that I would ever choose for myself but it was oh my god yeah, <laughs> so it's it not absolutely Melissa. beautiful and he was like I just knew it was so you Melissa and she was like oh my god babe it is beautiful and I never thought I would go for a ring like that but meaning I just, it's not you oh, meaning honey. she freaking hates this ring right it's a black pear-shaped diamond and she was like and Bryce was like but Melissa loves wearing black so she's definitely gonna like a black pear-shaped diamond and anyway then he was just kind of like yeah you know and it like wasn't cheap or anything um but we do have to like give a shout out to like this ring company um bloody blah and I was like sponsored by this ring company you literally got sponsored by this and also there was like it was so funny because it was just like you could see Melissa just um you, you know we've all seen this example with friends family whoever kind of just like appreciating a gift that you don't really like and it's so obvious and then on top of that he was sponsored like clearly and got a discount on this ugly ass ring and it was just Mm. it was so funny it was so funny and then um you know he just kept kind of like always bringing back something about their relationship to be about Bryce like it was just Mm, it wasn't like it wasn't like abusive Bryce it was just narcissist arrogant Bryce like it was just cringeworthy and you were just like oh god you're gross so look Mm. it was humorous it was humorous but you know he wasn't being an asshole but um yeah he was clearly being very very self um self-admiring and um you know for how he got up in a helicopter and everything um but he didn't get down on one knee because he couldn't because you know they were strapped in the seats um and Melissa didn't quite know but she was like oh but maybe I suspected something and he's like but you didn't suspect anything did you and she's like oh well not really like (laughs) he just it's all about him and his like oh it's just all about Bryce and then he constantly just like would 
randomly jump in with like some sponsor or some shout out to some company. Um, oh yeah, he gave a shout out to the helicopter flight, the company who got the helicopter flight, and yeah. Um, yeah, just everything. It was just it was just really really cringe and just a well, total explanation defense, of their babe, relationship. We've tried to get a lot of sponsors. We tried to get passion fruit. Um, <laughs> we tried to get your cheap wine. <laughs> And look, look, we wish we could give them a shout out, but still, we gave them a shout out because we liked these items and we never sent one email asking for a sponsor. So we definitely didn't even ask for a sponsor. (laughs) We didn't try very hard. And also, yeah, like it was a joke, but he literally got these things for free. And look, all power to you. But I feel like it was just a bit, it was so on the nose and it was so cringeworthy. It was very funny. It was very funny. It was a very funny 20 minutes, mm. I have to say. It well, was very funny. I have a lot of respect for Melissa, so I so want to wish I. them the best. She is honestly um, amazing, and I think that she um, is through really this cool. public discourse she has found a, a voice, and I hope that um, – She has so much strength and resilience. Like She, she does. Will, and her, She will be okay no matter what happens. But it's going to be tricky. It's going to be really tricky. And, uh, yeah, wish them all the best. I hope that they work through their relationship issues and um, that Bryce, you know, somehow changes his whole personality. Uh, it's <laughs> tricky because they're not a TV show anymore. They're real-life people living their lives. But they're still, well, Bryce public, is still yeah. trying to be famous. So they're, they're still in the public domain. I think that's really tricky too. Definitely. I have a separate maths bone to pick with you, actually. It happened like one week after our episode aired. So it's kind of old news, but we haven't talked about it. It's Liam. It's Liam from maths and the storyline the producers completely edited out. And I think it actually debunks your there's no such thing as a villain edit theory. And Mm -hmm. I will explain for our listeners that aren't in the loop with... um, what's going on with Liam, but also your villain theory for listeners that have just joined us. You often talk about the fact that when people are portrayed very badly, they always blame the editors and you kind of say, you still said that stuff. No amount of context or editing changes the fact that came out of your mouth and you just need to own that you did that and you can't blame the editors. That's basically your theory, right? Uh for the most part. Basically yes. the, the gist, the, you know, the essence Yeah, of it. yeah, correct. That's the essence. But something very controversial was left out of the season finale and reunion dinner party of MAFs. And it's basically the fact that there was a bisexual contestant called Liam and they showed him, like, in Georgia breaking up and then... At the reunion, what was shown on TV was that Georgia was trying to talk to him and he was ignoring her and it just portrayed him as just being very rude, like refusing to talk to her and it got very little airtime, but it just made him look very rude. And meanwhile, so another point about maths is they take away all of your access to your own Instagram account. You still have an Instagram account with a blue tick but you don't get to post on it yourself. You just get to approve and write the captions and they'll post it for you. So he actually couldn't 
talk about what was happening, he had to leak it to one of your favorite things, So Dramatic, which is actually like the how real I life found out about girl. this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because there was this whole other huge thing that happened that completely got cut. So Liam, as I mentioned, was bisexual. Mm-hmm. And so there was a party or some sort of event that he wasn't at and his wife, Georgia, and a few other of the husbands, Jason and Johnny, filmed this video of themselves and basically they were making homophobic remarks, they were making racist remarks about Jason's quotation mark wife, Alana, but basically like they were being very derogatory towards Liam and Georgia, his wife, was laughing. And so he was obviously very offended by that and he completely confronted them all about it at the dinner party. There was heaps of conversation. Everyone said their piece and he was really looking forward to watching this on TV and that got completely cut from the show. And then it was completely out of context, him just ignoring Georgia. Therefore, villain edit, producer's fault. Uh, Look, I I wouldn't call it a villain edit. Um, I think that Liam was portrayed very well throughout the season. I think that at the end there with them cutting that, I think um, I think it's really sad that, mm. you know, a public television show that does address some things um, that they obviously thought that foraying into a difficult area where they can't really defend themselves much as a TV show um, Mm -hmm. of being woke or anything to show that um, that they decided to not show it, I think personally goes higher than just the editors. I think it would go higher to Channel 10. And I would, and I actually think mm. that I think it it would go further in that they wouldn't have been comfortable broadcasting such a controversial conversation. And I think, but they weren't. Yeah, I think that that's why they didn't do it because honestly, that would have made for one great television, and two, it would have created a really interesting public discourse with all the different reactions. And I'm sure that there would have been people in the room. Uh, on Liam's side and also possibly defending the other point of view and calling out Mm -hmm. homophobic slurs and behaviour. It's really unfortunate that they didn't show that. I think think the way that they, if they were going to not show it, what they should have done is then not show Liam blanking Georgia at the reunion. Because that was... There you go. So that's an editing thing. Definitely. That was an editing choice choice they did a real disservice by not showing this and i i honestly think that channel 10 just isn't woke and um sorry channel 9 is not woke neither is channel 10 i mean like it's just you know they can't just they're not there yet and it's unfortunate and i and i wish that public television was able to show more controversial topics but they're not and i think if maths could choose i reckon they would have shown it I reckon I would have shown it. Interesting. That's my that's my that's my view, and um, mm. I agree with you. It was a real disservice, but I think that mm. that edit was in there with 
the other components that were removed from by Channel 9 and the execs in the high ups. Mm. Yeah. So, no, look, I, I will give you that. That That is an example where the edit did not do justice to one of their contestants because they did make him look like an asshole. We had a whole segment on the ethics of reality TV. Like the edits are only just one part. Like I also think the audience and the viewers are like so complicit in just how unethical reality TV is and like that it still doesn't really sit right with me that we still think we have a right to give an opinion on Bryce and Melissa's relationship and that everyone is just like constantly still thinking it's up to us to be like knowing what's best for Melissa and stuff and it's like okay Mm -hmm. she went on a show for like three months but the rest of their life now the public will just think they have a right to an opinion on that and Bryce and Melissa are complicit in it too because of the sponsored content and trying to stay relevant in the public eye that's true definitely but but it's still a bit of an icky industry it is I do have one lovely point to make about like, you know, that um, nice reality shows are still really interesting and relevant. Um, I have been watching MasterChef for the last three months and holy shit, it is so gorgeous. And um, the opposite to MKR, like MKR is all about the drama and the, you know, actually I used to love MKR, but I got really sick of the drama. I just wish they would focus more on the cooking. And mm, um, it really started. MasterChef. Yeah. And so then I watched MasterChef just based on a couple of recommendations. Um, people said, oh, it's just so lovely. It's so different. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. And now that MasterChef isn't on and I didn't really have anything else to watch, I was like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll try giving this a go. And it's actually gorgeous like I I imagine I've still not watched Lego Masters but I imagine it's like a cross section between Lego Masters and like the Great British Bake Off like because it's just such beautiful reality and um it was the most diverse casting that I've ever seen um the judges were so beautiful it was basically like which dish is the most amazing and yeah. if you were the least most amazing, unfortunately, you had to go home. But, like, you should still yes. be so proud of yourself. That's Lego like Masters as well. Yeah, and the literally, male judge cries it, every week and it's so cute. And it's like, so sad when like, he has to eliminate people. And when they, did it, when they had a bad cook, it was like, oh. The judges were just like, oh, it was really stressful today for you, wasn't it? And then that oh, person so was just sweet. like, yeah, it was. It was really hard. And they're like, look unfortunately today's cook didn't go well for you and we all know that but we all know you're an amazing cook and you know what you should be so proud of everything else you've done for us but unfortunately today wasn't your day so so you have to go but we really love you you know like it was just that's the tone and um I loved watching it I thoroughly enjoyed it so I really really I mean I know it's finished now so nobody can be bothered going back and watching it but that is just such a beautiful, wholesome reality show. And I, I really hope we It'll can go It'll be back that, next year. <laughs> I hope we can go that way in the future. Like I think there's enough interest in actual lives and actual people doing real things that we don't need to create such dramatic nonsense um, to find things interesting. I mean, yeah, what you say about like we don't just want the drama of MKR, we want like beautiful shows. Sure. <laughs> But there is, like, a place to get the drama, actual drama with actual yes. actors 
and actual scripts. Um, that's where we should be having our drama. And so we do have two drama shows we actually do need to talk about as well in Trash today. Um, so I think we should get into Mayor of Easttown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Mayor of Easttown, um, I feel like it kind of took um, Netflix by storm for like a good binge. three weeks. Binge by like three weeks. I feel like there was a good three, four weeks where people were interested and like I have not heard one comment about it since. (laughs) But it was was good at the time. It was good at the time. I I remember watching it all in one night. Like I binged it as the service (laughs) recommends. But um, yeah, what did you think? It's really good. I watched it all twice. You watched it twice? Yes, I that thought it was really good. That surprises me. Yeah, that surprises me. Because I wanted to see the clues again and it is, you can watch it in one sitting. Mm. Like it's only, I think, seven episodes per season and it's a mystery. It's multiple mysteries from multiple, some, yeah, two mysteries happening and then like backstory. I think it was really good and what people were generally talking about it was like Kate Winslet is like a real woman and she had a saggy tummy that she didn't get it edited in the sex scene. It's like there's hardly any sex scenes. It's not yeah, really I don't the even point of the show. That. No, I don't like blink and you miss it kind of sex scene with that random Australian guy that's in it. But yeah. I thought the plot was really good. I really liked it. The plot was really good. I, I did really enjoy the like I thought Kate Winslet was phenomenal in it. I think that um, what was cool about it, which I I just thought they were like, like I hate when people were like, oh, she's like a real woman and she like didn't pretty herself up for the role. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. But Kate Winslet is a stunning human being mm. and she's a stunning woman. But I, what I did like is that they um, wrote a character who was a flawed person. So she yeah. had flawed characteristics and not just in the cutesy way that like they would portray someone not adorable not adorable who's like falling over her feet and like you know like a jane sloan in the bold type or something you know like um i don't know like she's you know she is actually flawed she's kind of angry she's kind of bitter um, she's got a short temper, you know, she's, there's a lot of trauma, but I love that she like walked in at the end of a day of a hard day and she's a detective and that's why they, you know, they call it mayor of Easttown, you know, like she just, um, she just was kind of this boss, but she was also like not super empathetic as a gen, like as a woman usually would in that kind of role. Like she was pretty Mm. like, she was pretty like, hard line kind of just getting her job done she was good at her job but she was kind of like ugh, just kind of irritated with everybody she would walk in at the end of a day um you know grab a beer from the fridge and sit down and have to deal with her divorce and like you know her ex-partner and her kid and all these like Mm. situations I, i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed her portrayal as a person and i think she did a phenomenal job as an actress i you know the plot I enjoyed as well. I, I was curious as to find out what happened at the end. Mm. But my overall feeling is that I enjoyed the show and I enjoyed watching the show, but I was underwhelmed by the end. Um, and the reason for that is because I just By the finale or overall? Yeah, 
Oh, I was underwhelmed by the finale. I was yeah. underwhelmed by the conclusion, I, w- I would say. Like, I was underwhelmed by the conclusion of who did it and why. Mm. You know, I sort of thought it was just a little bit random. I was like, oh, so okay. Having watched it twice, yeah, I think that the finale is not the most epic episode of the season. The most epic episode is two episodes before the finale. That's definitely the most emotionally satisfying. Can you remind me? Um, I don't know if we're going to do spoilers, but the rescue. The rescue is not in the finale of the girls. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That yeah. was the most epic moment. And then the that was emotionally satisfying. And then the actual finale was intellectually satisfying because there were three plot twists in the finale. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, my general feeling about it is that I felt underwhelmed. Like, I don't know why exactly. I really enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed um, Kate Winslet. I really enjoyed uh, the actress who I, I don't know the name of right now, but um, who played her mother. She was really good. And yes, yes. Her best friend and it, all the actors were, were fantastic. Also, Roy from The Office was her husband. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Roy, of course. Roy in a serious role. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, but I didn't- you're right that, like, no one talks about it anymore. Like, we were like, we need to talk about this on the podcast. But it's like, do you guys even know what we're talking about? Meravice Town has gone out of the public consciousness by now. Sorry, we've been on break for a while. Um, if anyone would like anything similar, a fantastic show is called Broadchurch. And I think I've talked about this at the pod before, but um, Broadchurch um, season one, two and three are phenomenal. It's a phenomenal What's show. What's the concept of that again? I've never watched it. It's a detective show. It's a detective show, um, but it's just a really good one. Um, It's got David Tennant. It's got Olivia Coleman. It's got, um, Uh, yeah, so they're the two main people in it and um, they're fantastic. And um, the second series is literally the trial based on the first series and the third series is a completely separate storyline but there are still elements that, that, you know, from the first and second season that come into it. and um, But I really think that the writing is fantastic. The acting is beyond. And, like, the way that things happen is really realistic. Like, as in people do the wrong thing, people um, don't articulate themselves the way that they should or could mm. because of stress Um or emotion and it's it's really interesting and it's it's really well done and yeah you just don't really see that kind of thing very often um and it is just so gripping like it is so gripping if you think Mary Town was gripping Jesus Christ mm. watch Broadchurch um I should get onto that actually it's 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 finished there's only three seasons that's it um, there's no more. It's been finished for a couple of years now, but yeah, it's one of those ones that's worth going back to just watch. It's all on SBS On Demand um, for free. Great. And speaking of SBS On Demand, the other thing we need to talk about is Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes. Good segue. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> available on SBS On Demand. Um, the newest season. Yep. rest of it is on Stan. Um I have a lot of feelings about The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. 
I don't know. Not all of them are good. It's epic, but it's also just like a very upsetting show. And I know a lot of people have like stopped watching it. And I think that's totally valid. Like I stopped watching Mm. it as well and then got back into it. Like I think opting out of The Handmaid's Tale is like a totally fair enough decision because it's like, you know what? Traumatizing show. You know what doesn't work for The Handmaid's Tale is dropping it week by week. I think that yeah. it actually doesn't work because, I mean, I hung on because I'm invested but um, and I would watch it week by week. But back in sort of season two, three, um, mm. less strong seasons, um, but there were times where I thought, oh, God, this is so depressing or something. But then, you know, you'd get – the next episode and maybe something cool would happen and so I think it's Mm. best watched as a whole and um I don't know you can't really binge it though I was behind I stopped at the start of season three mm -hmm. and then needed to catch up so we could talk about on the pod and you can't watch more than a couple of episodes in a row like you can't binge it all day that's not going to be a good day I mean you can (laughs) <laughs> you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. Like, Hermes Tales really, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying yeah. show. I think that's part of it. It's part of it. Um, so, for, look, let, let's let's just go back a, a step. I mean, um, a lot of people have heard of The Handmaid's Tale, but they haven't watched it. And um, I was actually someone who didn't watch it straight away. I sort of watched it um, after season one dropped. Um, mm-hmm. But then from then on I've. I've clung on and watched it week by week, which has been absolutely torturous because I wanted to know what happened next. Um, But in synopsis, it is a show about a dystopian future, but a dystopian future that has not a lot of new technology necessarily, but um, Mm. just a alternate reality in which we could live. Um, So what Margaret Atwood, who wrote the book, calls it? is speculative fiction. So people yeah. often call it sci-fi and she said it's not sci-fi, it's not about No, it's new not technology. sci-fi. It's about speculative fiction, what life could be like. Yeah, and it's very it's very like they do a very good job of of showing how real it could be, you know, just with mm. um so what it's based on. And Margaret Atwood, let's remember, wrote this was it in the 80s or the 70s? Yes, she, 80s. The 80s. And um, it's incredible how relevant it is now. But um, she wrote this tale based on an alternate reality where um, America had a revolution of sorts and um, was overtaken by a conservative religious sect. And... The primary reason that's implied, it's not necessarily gone into exactly the specifics, it's just that it's kind of happened roughly five years ago at this point in time when season one begins and um, Mm. the main issue at play in society is that there is a fertility crisis. Mm -hmm. What's implied is that women can no longer uh, produce babies based on uh you know lots of different reasons possibly environmental um you know and it could be the men as well being you know sterilized for whatever reason basically just this 
alternate future where, you know, if there is a fertility crisis, what could happen to our society? Um, And it sort of Mm. implies that lots of people have formed um, attachments to this uh, revolutionary group that believe that we need to start a world in which we have less technology, we go back to more traditional values, um, and that Mm. people who... Um, are the best equipped to raise a child, get to have a child. And the way that they think that they should go about that is to have a system in place where there are husbands and wives who are basically the privileged. Then you have the Mm. women who are fertile but are, what would you call, kind of sinful in some way, but they're fertile and then Mm. they get captured and utilised as what's called a handmaid. And a handmaid is assigned to each uh, privileged husband and wife couple to produce a baby if if they can get pregnant. And it's still very difficult for them to get pregnant even though they may have had a baby previously or something just because there is a fertility crisis. It doesn't just happen. And the men are infertile. And, yeah, there's a strong implication that it's the men's fault but they won't acknowledge that um, either. Mm. Um, But either way, there's a fertility crisis. So the women, the men, you know, but they believe that these women are fertile so then they get basically forcefully raped once a month by these people um, to produce them a baby in which they then keep mm. and then the handmaid goes on to another family to then be their sex slave, essentially. There's also other kinds of slaves. There are maids um, or um, what are they called, the Marthas? Marthas. Yeah, yep. in this group. And then we sort of learn a bit more about the world as it goes on and we learn about um, – what they call the colonies, which is essentially uh, what you assume to be the result of a nuclear war where they're um, cleaning up nuclear waste as punishment for being sinful or going against the values of Gilead, this new world that they've created in America. And Canada still exists um, where they still take refugees and all those sorts of things. So there's these sort of two worlds Um, that are going side by side. And, um, yeah, it's this kind of very scary, very real, very well-produced show. And if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. And, yes, it can be tough to watch. But I I honestly feel, although sometimes some of the episodes can be tough, I do think that by having the ability to binge the episodes, you can get to the good bits quicker whereas Mm. sometimes when I've had to sit with an episode for a week like I think they do that because they think that people are going to be gripped and they're going to come back and they're going to you know it's going to it's just traditional tv format (laughs) traditional Phoebe tv format and drum up uh interest and and um magnetism to the show but I actually feel like being able to binge it enables you to get to the good bits quicker I disagree and I think you need to like I usually binge shows but the sad episodes are one after the other and the good bits I don't know like it's a difficult show to watch and I think Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. right now in lockdown might not be the best show to choose um it's a very interesting show I think a very important point about The Handmaid's Tale is that as much as it's fiction Everything in The Handmaid's Tale is real. It just doesn't happen to white people in America. Correct. But everything in it is real. 
all those torture things are real. Sex slavery is real. Mm-hmm. It's not completely a fake show. No, it's um, definitely not. But there's just so much torture. It's like, yeah, oh, it's, I don't know. Some of it can be really With what's t- happening in the world right now, it's not escapism. Until they sometimes get their revenge, occasionally. Few and far between for the amount of torture. I feel like I feel like sometimes it's escapism, but only because I'm so absorbed by the show. Like and but it's a different mm. kind of entertain entertainment, I suppose. Like it's it's just really, really interesting. But then when they do get their victories, and they do get lots of those victories um from time to time. They do along the along way. the way. But, but when they get them, yeah. it feels so earned because of what yeah. they've gone through. And I feel like a lot of shows haven't done that for me recently. Like I don't think I've felt like I earned those victories in other shows as much as I have with The Handmaid's Tale just because they mean so much. And then oftentimes not only are they well earned, but I'm like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. You know, like but sometimes mm, it's just but so But for epic. every victory there's so many more cruelties and like unexpected terrible things that happen to characters you love I just just I just think it's just so brilliant like I think that um although it's depressing and, and I do get that it is it can be really depressing I personally find it exhilarating to watch I find myself feeling like I'm constantly watching a thriller so I think that's true. I think it is a thriller horror. It's a genre. thriller. Yeah, it's a, it's a thriller. Yeah, I would call it a thriller drama, but yeah, like it's it's um, it's very intense. I reckon a lot of people have said it's really interesting. I've listened to um, there's a really great podcast called Eyes on Gilead. They've interviewed Bruce Miller, who's the show creator, and they've also interviewed numerous directors who've directed the epi- some of the episodes. And um, mm-hmm. some of the questions that they've asked were like, oh, God, when you were doing this, you know, and that episode and this episode and stuff, and they're like, what, do you, what would you say to people who think, you know, that was really confronting or that was, do you really think that would happen or do you really think this or do you really think that? And she and the woman in this particular interview said, we could not show the stuff that really happens on television. She's like, the stuff that we put in the show is watered down. I mean, it's dramatised, mm. but it's also these things happen and a lot of people compare this show to North Korea. And so North Korea is a country which we don't know a lot about, that we don't have any information on journalism. Mm. You know, we have an inkling that they brainwash people, that they treat their people terribly in many different ways that we would have no idea about Um, and it's just a really interesting example of a current real world situation that we have absolutely no control over and that we haven't intervened and it's like how can when you're watching The Handmaid's Tale you think Mm. surely someone's going to come in and save them surely someone's going to blow up this world surely surely someone's going to come in and say this is wrong the difference between that, though, is that North Korea is an established country that people grow up in that culture. And they actually say in season four of The Handmaid's Tale, they're making a comment like, you know, it's implied this regime's been going for like seven years or something. And they're saying Some of the kids like, have grown up now in that culture. People have grown up with it. And also The Handmaids and everyone are easier to control now because they're 
They're not as violent. No, otherwise, exactly. And so the difference is, and the way not as rebellious. That the the way the viewer is supposed to re- relate to this is it's not like North Korea because you can't imagine growing up as a child in North Korea. But in Handmaid's Tale, you grew up and had your normal life until you were twenty five, and then this became your reality. And so, therefore, the viewer is meant to be able to relate. Like it's just, it is the most complex, interesting show. I think it is so brilliant and everyone should watch it. Like, I'm so affected by The Handmaid's Tale, but I actually love it. I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. (laughs) It's it's so affecting. So, like, I agree it's a good show. I just do not agree everyone should watch it. I think you should watch it if you feel up to watching something incredibly traumatizing, (laughs) which in 2020, 2021, fair enough if you don't. Look, you know, that's that's a totally fair comment, Grace. Like it's a fair comment. Like it's, it isn't necessarily for everybody, but I do disagree with you that it's just only traumatizing. I think that sometimes there are some sad episodes and there are some times where I've definitely shed a tear, like many a tear in these episodes, but sometimes the victories and the purpose and the, um, the strength of some of these women and the characters um, and the love and the care and the kindness that is also shown in this show is so brilliant Mm. and so worth watching. And some of the scenes are so beautiful. Yeah. If you're in the mood for it, it's very satisfying. Um, One of the best shows that's ever been created. I stand by that. And I know I say that a lot, but like, this is like, you do say that. I do a say lot. that a lot, but no, this is, this has got to be up there with the best show I, I could think ever think of. I think about it a lot. Yeah. yeah, that ever has had such a big impact on how I think about everything daily. How this show and how this story has had an impact on real life. How people go and protest Trump rallies in red cloaks yeah. and white bonnets to protest the oppression of women. Like it is such an iconic feminist story and um I think it's brilliant and I found it empowering I know it can be sad sometimes but I found it incredibly empowering it's a it can be thrilling and it is incredibly well written um I didn't have the same impact as Grace I didn't feel depressed after every episode some episodes were sad yes but I found it incredibly enthralling um but yeah you know if you're not in a great mental mental space maybe don't watch it but if if you're up for something really interesting and really different you don't have to wait every week you can actually just watch it all on sbs or on stan or something stan, yeah stan with no ads because sbs does have ads and it's freaking annoying but um anyway it's fantastic and i'm glad i finally got to um talk about it and um yeah you should all watch it you should all watch it it will change we your haven't life. given you many spoilers really no not like, really go for it go for i it. would actually no, really can... like to talk about the spoilers but I think I'm actually I think it's best if we don't I think it's best if we just yeah end it on this and then Grace and I can just catch up for brunch we can talk about that offline yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right because I've still got a lot of feelings we have a lot of feelings and I think uh maybe it's time to talk about them on some hills The Hills We're Willing to Die On, our segment where we defend unpopular opinions. <laughs> but 
the one I was going to do, I feel like um, everyone has talked about it enough. I was going to do a hill about the vaccine rollout being Lord of the Flies. Um, <laughs> and maybe I will just like briefly, Please. but I'll keep it short just because like we've had a lot of exposure to a lot of talk about the vaccines. But um, I just feel like it's Lord of the Flies and it's causing a lot of tension uh, intergenerationally and also interpersonally. Yeah. Um, like as we've talked about, we're in our late 20s about to turn 30 and we are not eligible for Pfizer. All we can get is AstraZeneca, but it's super confusing because you go online and tick all the boxes about you and it says, like, you should get Pfizer. That's the best one for you medically, but get AstraZeneca. So it's like, okay. And, like, I know people have talked about this, but that ad that the government put out in oh, Sydney yeah. of the young woman struggling to breathe and it's like, she is not old enough to even get vaccinated. Like, it's so insulting to hear, like, people saying, like, young people need to take this seriously. It's like, well, let us get a vaccine. Like, really what they need a vaccine campaign for is the boomers that refuse to get AstraZeneca. I was talking to an older colleague of mine today um, and they were like, you know what, I'm just going to go get it because they're on the cusp of one of the age brackets. And I think that they're now eligible as of today or yesterday or something. Like the age keeps changing. and um, Totally. Yeah. And so they were like, I'm just going to go do it. I'm just going to go to the hub. And they were like, do you know where it is? And I was like, no. And I said, because... I am so low down on the pecking order that I don't even yeah. know where the clinic is. I haven't even Googled it because there's no point because I like obviously being a young person, I'm not, and I'm not in a um, healthcare industry, um, you know, so I'm not eligible to get it anytime soon, which is fine. You know, obviously the people who are the most vulnerable need to get it first and you totally know, whoever's agree. eligible need to get it first. Get that. But um, that ad is infuriating and um it's so insulting it's insulting like why are they spending money on an this is what i can't get over why are they spending money on an ad asking us to get vaccinated when we can't get vaccinated and yes the woman in the ad wasn't even old enough to get vaccinated maybe she had a health care issue but that's the only reason you can get vaccinated or if you choose a vaccine that is going against the health advice that we've been provided which is that a AstraZeneca is not the suitable vaccine to get in our age demographic. So yeah. we're following the health advice. It's bloody ridiculous and it's insulting. It's insulting. Yeah. That ad is so insulting. And like we can't even get vaccinated, let alone be pressured into getting a vaccine. You know, and it's like, interesting. Like they're saying that um the twenty 20- 20 to 35-year-old age group actually spread COVID the most because they do the most stuff. They have the most social connections. (laughs) They're more likely to get public transport. They're more likely to go to uni or they're more likely to have a sort of job where they need to go face-to-face. And so there is a lot of talk now that it's like, you know, they shouldn't, they should have given it to that age group instead of the 40 to 50 year olds. And Mm. it's like super awkward because it is like intergenerational tension. Like it's like, oh, yeah, it's, I I so agree with you. And I think um, 
it is it is really tricky and it has been met with a lot of frustration and I mean Victoria is in their fifth lockdown um you know people have just cancelled so many things and um Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's been so frustrating for so many people um and I think that even with um Sydney going into its first lockdown I think there there was obviously frustration um with the fact that they still wouldn't call it a lockdown you know um they kept calling it stay at home orders and they wouldn't specify what essential work was and all this sort of stuff and um very frustrating and um you know there are larger political issues at play it's not one person's fault but um you know I think that Sydney going into its first lockdown and everything it was like literally five days and one of my favorite podcasts that I listened to they were like well how are you going actually you know and and they sort of did describe I listened to this too they were not coping like two days in Oh my god! They were just like, oh, yeah, just like not coping. And it's like you've been in lockdown for like seven days, like, and at that point it was five days. They're like, I'm like, come on, as if you're struggling. Like, we're you not can't be struggling after suffering. five days. It's oh, you know, they're feeling yeah, but valid. we are comparing our suffering, and you know, I think you can start to complain after a little while. I think if we can start to, I think you can start to. Um, be frustrated after a little while of being isolated. Five mm. days is not, does not suffering make. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. I think that um, these people who were particularly on this podcast were still being employed, still making podcasts and um, still working from home and didn't live alone. None of them lived alone. And mm. they had been interacting socially via the podcast, probably via telephone, and, you know, had only been in lockdown five days. Sure, the dread of the lockdown extending is a valid reason for anxiety. But um, that's, I think, the biggest thing. That's it's the like, biggest thing, but really that, that was not yeah. what they were saying. They were saying, yeah. oh, you know, it's really upsetting. Can't, can't do this. Can't go outside. Can't see anyone. I feel really lonely. And it's like, come on. It's five days. You know, and Victoria has done this so much. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, <sighs> remember when we started this podcast? Like it was just the vibe was so different. Like um, mm-hmm. the the energy, the um, um, sort of we're all in this together. Um, there was kind of a an adrenaline. There was a bit of an adrenaline and staying at home was kind of, it, it was novelty. It was, it was tough, but it was kind of, for lack of a better word, because it sounds it sounds so insulting, and I'm not trying to sound insulting, but it was kind of that adrenaline. It was kind of, um, yeah, novelty, exciting. Like you know, yeah. you could talk to your friends about it, you could talk to your family about it. Going on Zoom for the first time was kind of exciting and new. Working from yeah. home was exciting and new. Working yeah. in my snuggie was exciting and new. <laughs> you know, yeah. like um, having time to myself and not having to go away on weekends was exciting and new. You know, not having to go exercising was exciting and new. But now it's mm. like, oh god, it's, it's just no random. Longer unprecedented. It's no longer unprecedented, and you know, it, it didn't just go away after one big large lockdown. It's like we've, we're at number five, and I think that there's an increasing amount of yeah frustration that um, people who haven't you know been through this many lockdowns are like, oh, it's so tough after five days, and I'm you know 
Sydney has now been in lockdown for several weeks. So yeah, they have, um, they, they, have, have. they have valid cause for concern and frustration now and that is all completely valid. But after five days, these particular people who I was listening to, it just really ticked me off. And um, with the vaccine, I think there's an increasing amount of, yeah, there's an increasing the amount of tension. For sure, yeah. That's my whole hill. There's just tension with this vaccine rollout and it's like every person for themselves kind of thing. It's so frustrating. Which is not how a public health rollout should be. Yeah, it's upsetting the way it's gone. But uh, fingers mm. crossed, fingers crossed um, that, you know, it will improve. Um, we can only so do what I we can do. I wasn't even going to do that hill because I was like, no, no one wants to talk about COVID. I have I'm actually like really glad that we well. talked about it just but because we, we're yeah, so whatever. frustrated. <laughs> the elephant in the room. <laughs> the elephant in the room. We can't just like not talk about it. We're currently yeah. recording um, our, you know, last hurrah because we have no time to record because we have so many social events on and we're actually in a lockdown <laughs> again <laughs> for the fifth time. <laughs> it's just you never know when they're going to happen. <laughs> What's your hill? So my actual hill is um, one I've thought about doing for a long time, but I sort of um, felt like I couldn't do it or something. Um, trigger warnings. Trigger warnings are, are too much. There's too many of them. Oh. I don't like them. I actually feel like there are too many trigger warnings. Um, and um, I say this with a huge disclaimer because we actually do trigger warnings for our podcast and rightfully so because, you know, just because we don't want to spoil content or something, you know, it's more important that people can protect themselves um, with arming themselves with the information about what they're about to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is so it is important. But I have to say that sometimes when I'm about to watch a TV show and it's a drama, a drama that I'm invested in, and there's a trigger warning that comes up, it's like this episode deals with suicide. And it's like, okay, sure. But I didn't know that was going to happen to my favourite character. So you're like, spoiler. That is a massive spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. No, I think the trigger warning is important. <laughs> okay. then Trigger warnings are more important than spoilers. Like, Grace, um, no, hang on. That is so funny. Hang on. <laughs> I need to go further up the hill. Okay. So, or dig my grave, whichever is the truth. But um, Dig your heels so- in and explain. In the words of Pauline Hanson. Um, so <laughs> other the other example that I have that is fresh, fresh of mind, I think it was The Handmaid's Tale. Um, okay. As we have just talked about, a very intense show about very intense things. Probably shouldn't watch that show if you get triggered easily. Probably definitely the show to not watch if you but are. But how would you by, know that if they don't warn you about it? Come on. Have you watched episode one? Have you yeah, but okay. Before episode one, they could be like, this show deals with elements of this, 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 this and this. And then you decide. But then in specific episodes, as you have watched this traumatizing show, so like episode like season three episode five let's call it and I'm just spitballing because I cannot remember the episode but either way it was well into the Handmaid's Tale series Mm -hmm. well into it you have clearly watched 
Three seasons already. You clearly know that the show is fucked. It's totally upsetting Mm -hmm. and triggering and amazing, but you know what it's about, right? There was an episode that I watched on SBS On Demand, and obviously because, um, you know, SBS is Australian and we have the whatever laws in Australia that, um, you know, dictate that we should have trigger warnings at the beginnings of certain episodes. And I actually again, don't remember any trigger warnings for Handmaid's Tale. <gasps> really? Oh, there you go. No. There was a few. And, um, how may, yeah, well, I definitely got them. And um, I may have got them, but I just may have just it's came and gone from my brain. Like, you were probably I I'm not triggered by a trigger while warning. While you were waiting like for the trigger warning because you, like, can't deal with that much um, – silence you have to like be on your phone <laughs> no I think I just didn't start. care about it I think it just left my brain whereas you're triggered by trigger warnings I'm triggered by trigger warnings. trigger warning that will be a trigger warning <laughs> trigger yeah and um one of the specific episodes was like this really like um episode where it was like this person was pregnant and anyway At the start of the episode, it was like, this episode deals with, it was so specific. It was so Mm. specific. I was like, surely you could just say this episode deals with difficult something or others, like instead of like explicitly saying what the trigger was. I mean, it's a show about fertility. It's a show about Mm. pregnancy and rape and like, you know, this dystopian future. Like it's just, it's, it's the whole show is triggering if you are triggered. Anyway, this particular episode, just this one episode said this episode deals with drug abuse, pregnancy loss, miscarriage, rape, and like all these sorts of things. And it was literally like, I was so pissed off because I was just like, I literally know that that person in the show who's pregnant is going to lose that baby. And I didn't know that until three quarters of the way through the show, which would have been a massive reveal. Do you know what I mean? Like but it actually ruined the show. It ruined it. It isn't ruined it. Isn't it more important for survivors of miscarriage and rape to have been warned that they might not want to watch this episode versus you getting a spoiler? Grace, The Handmaid's Tale. Let's think about the context. Let, think about what they've watched to get to episode well, yeah, three, episode five. Well, yeah, obviously rape isn't every episode, but miscarriage isn't. Miscarriage was in season one. It was in season two. It's been in everything. It's, it's like, been constant. And also, like, yeah, like, I don't know, they just sort of seem to pick and choose certain things. And, like, they're so specific mm. with their trigger warnings. And I think that um, it is important. It's incredibly important if you want to stay away from content that you don't have to be subjected to it um, just randomly. But this whole show is about fertility. Um, This is just a really prime Mm. example because it is a show that clearly you know what you're getting into if you're at season three, episode five. I do see that point. And I've heard, I think. You know what it's all about. You You know that it's horrific. It is not a show that you would watch if you were triggered. And you sh- and people would already know that. And you could also yeah. say this 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 series is a difficult show. It contains many different um, you know, you could say I feel like you could say it more vaguely because if you've got to season three, you should know what the show's about. But if not, you could still have a trigger warning that says, please be advised that this show deals with they very give heavy a blanket themes, one every mature episode, themes yeah. and um, you know, very difficult issues. Um, you know, 
please, you know, please take care if you would like to continue viewing. Or I don't know, some some shit, something that's just mm. less specific than drug use, pregnancy loss, miscarriage, rape. Um, and then it was like something else really specific as well. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus, I've never seen such a specific trigger warning that literally gives away the entire plot like, of the show. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say? No, I think it's funny. What I was going to say was um, you're right. If it's clearly implied by the heading of the article or just the premise of the show. That's right. Et cetera, et cetera. And it is for The Handmaid's Tale. And I think it was Jezebel Publishing Company used to not do trigger warnings either because they're like, if we're not going to, you know, if it is about sexual assault or something, Clearly, the heading like will make sure that you know what you're clicking into by the heading of the article. Like, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting hill. Very interesting. But um, I did have my second hill I was going to do instead of vaccines. And seeing as we're not sure when we're going to be back again, I need to yep. get it off my chest as well, yes. just for closure. Yes. Um, it's going to be quick. My hill is: uh, Can IT support staff? not just clear your cache um, without discussing that with you first because it's incredibly oh. inconvenient when you lose all your passwords and it happens quite frequently really? in tech support situations because having like your cache, it's like websites aren't working so it's like delete all my cache but it deletes all your saved passwords and it's like um, I don't want to have to like prove my identity to myself again. I don't remember any of my passwords. Obviously, this is a going to be a very large inconvenience that now my computer no longer remembers them. <laughs> and like, you shouldn't have just done that without consulting me. <laughs> and it happened to me the other day. So I just needed to make it my hill because it's like, it's a lot of effort to get it back up again. Grace, this is a real issue at play right? in our society. It is. Triggered. Play, we're hashtag triggered, you know. When you call IT, maybe they should have a trigger warning, you know. Yeah. We may delete your, your saved passwords. May delete your saved passwords. And we will ask you, have you turned it off and on again? And yeah. <laughs> even if you have already done that, they will ask you to do it again because they don't trust you. And, yeah, uh, fair. Look, Most fair enough. Are fair lying. enough. It's a fair. lot of people aren't trustworthy, but I'm trustworthy. I'm a millennial. I turned it off and on again. I know how to do that. I watch the IT yeah, crowd. Yeah, we're self-sufficient. We can turn it off and on again. Usually do it four times before I call IT. Usually do it but, ten times yeah. before I call IT. Um, totally. I hate calling IT. I hate it. Hate I know. And IT. now, especially when you know they might delete all your bookmarks and passwords. And that's that's the whole hill. That's it. But just that's like, it. That, that's a great hill a to end issue. on. Very succinct. <laughs> yeah. Very relevant. Um, thank you. Pressing issue of our time. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I speak for all of us in the trash and treasury community. Why, thank you. And it seems like it's time for some recommendations. Oh, gosh. All right. So for recommendations, I think, you know, there is seriously too much that we have spoken about today um, to bring anything new <laughs> to the table. Let's just consolidate the Let's learnings. Let's just consolidate yeah. the learnings. Um, yeah. So I have talked about The Handmaid's Tale extensively. I think watch it. Grace thinks, you know, uh, go, Look, to, go to a psychology session before you consider pressing play. Just, um, now that we've had some time to process, though, like 
It is good. I maybe was too harsh on it. Um, the acting, but also fantastic. you do think about it every day. It will stay. I think about it a lot. Yeah, I was definitely not arguing that it's not affecting. I think about it all the time. It is yeah. definitely Alexis Bledel's best work. Who we oh. talked about. You hate Rory Gilmore, but you she love. She has just totally. It's her career highlight. For sure. It's her career highlight. This is her career highlight. And uh, we didn't give spoilers, but there is a small smile at the end of season four um, that is the highlight of her career that she has mm. played so effectively and so well. Well done. And I can't wait to see what she does next season. Another thing is Mare of Easttown on Binge. So oh, yes. I think it's worth it. Um, yeah, you no, may or may not be underwhelmed. It's good. It's good. And look, also, seven episodes. What are you gonna? What do you got to episodes. lose? Seven episodes. And then once you finish that, you've got three more seasons to catch up on of Broadchurch. Broadchurch is phenomenal. Olivia Coleman, who uh, let's remind everybody, was in The Crown. Um, she plays in the later seasons uh, Queen Elizabeth. Fleabag. She's Fleabag. in Fleabag as the annoying mum, which, oh, my God, watch Fleabag. If there's anything that you do after this podcast, if you do anything, watch Fleabag season one and especially season two. Season two is where it's at, people. Although I was a big uh promoter of season one disregard so what grace says season two is where it's at um <laughs> <laughs> and um what else uh, have we talked about today if you want to know more about britney's history not just her trial but her life um the pieces of britney podcast yes. by um is it bbc it's definitely some british folk. it's a british podcast yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so and watch that check out that and um then we've also got don't watch Maths. Maths is gone. MasterChef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maths is gone. MasterChef's it. It's where it's at. Um, also, a podcast that we have read, uh, you know, referenced throughout this series is the Just the Gist podcast. Yes. It's fantastic. And if you are also a, um, you know, reality TV tragic you know, listen to the So Dramatic podcast. She is the real-life gossip girl. And, um, you know, if you do follow, you know, media personalities and things closely, um, you know, she's just – she is phenomenal. I mean, I haven't been listening to her podcast recently because Maths isn't on. Um, Mm -hmm. So the people she's talking about, I don't really, you know, don't really know the Big Brother people or anything like that. Yeah, but surely she's talking about the pregnancy announcement of the twins and stuff. Yeah, she's on a little holiday. Holiday. She's on a little okay. holiday at the moment, Fair but I'm enough. sure she'll be back. She, yeah, she's earned it. She's only on two weeks holiday, but shit, some stuff can happen while well, she's on holiday. Speaking of a little holiday, as we said in our intro, we are also going to keep up our extended break. We're not sure when we'll be back. Life is happening and... Yeah, we can't commit to making this every week. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Um, We've loved it so much. But this is our finale for now. It's our finale for now. Like, I I truly don't think that we're not going to be back. I think that we will. But, you know, um, we might come back in a different way. We might... um, you know, either when you cont- least expect it, when you least expect it, and we might even pop back in your ears with a bonus episode if there's something particularly um, pressing that we really want to discuss. Um, you know, we might pop back with a different name. 
We might pop back with a different mm. idea for a different podcast or we might come back with a shorter season. But either way, we're going on hiatus for now, a sabbatical, if you will. And um, we really hope you understand and also thank you for joining us for this extraordinary ride. Yes, thank you so much to everyone who has listened to us and joined us on this episode. It's been so fun to bring you this podcast. We've really appreciated your feedback and really enjoyed um, hearing from you and spending this time with you every Tuesday night. We have. Oh, I know this has gone for like so much longer than a regular episode. So thank you for staying tuned. But, um, you know, follow us, follow us on Insta. Um, reach out, text us, message us, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on TV and some of the episodes. If you're, if you're late to the podcast and you want to go back and listen to some of our old ones and you want to message us and just, we love a binge, just talk it out. Yeah. Like we'll do that and we'll be happy to hear from you and any thoughts you have on any of the topics we've covered. It's, it's so rewarding to actually, um, know that our podcast is like starting discussions and um, sparking thoughts so yeah it's been it's been great and and we're not saying goodbye we're just saying goodbye for now it's just ciao for now um long live taylor swift <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah keep well stay safe thanks for listening bye everyone and don't forget that after we're gone, you will always have Moira's fruit wine from the Fleur de Berkelingeder. Fleur de Berkelingeder. Fleur de Berkelingeder. Cheers, babe. Love you. Cheers. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Just a reminder that we are savvy individuals and not experts. If you need some real advice, please contact someone who knows. Trash and Treasury is produced, authorised and sponsored by us because we did it ourselves. (laughs) 